You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. What's up, guys? Welcome to Good Morning Lambo. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. You can email us, Packers Total Access at gmail.com. Text us 865-658-5824. Rolling solo this morning. I know Tim's uh, took a trip down to uh, Milwaukee, spent some time with the family. Uh, Emilio's probably still asleep, to be honest with you. And this was kind of last second. Um, I wasn't sure if we'd be able to to make it to Good Morning Lambo this morning. Obviously been a little under the weather, but here we are. So got up a few minutes late, set it for a 9.30 live kickoff, my time, 8.30 Central, and then, of course, bumped it up 15 minutes. So everybody's probably going, what in the world is going on out here? So uh, with that being said, we're going to talk a little Packers this morning and kind of get you guys set. I know later this afternoon we're going to get the Jeff Halfley uh, press conference, introductory press conference. I'm really excited about that just to kind of – kind of hear him speak and I know we've played a lot of stuff of, of him speaking already uh you know with a, a former interview there when he was with Boston College really like his energy seems like you know many of his the players that have played for him with him you know have kind of referred to him as a wizard right you can tell he's he's kind of cut from the same cloth as Matt LaFleur they think more scheme than anything right they they you know you could tell that their coaching style is a quote-unquote a schemer a play caller if you will you tend to have two different types of coaches. And when you get a coach that has both of these traits, that's what really makes for a great, you know, head coach, DC, OC, whatever. Um, but, you know, you've got the play caller slash schemer, and then you've got the uh, the talent uh, evaluator, but also a uh, what we call a developmental coach, right? That coach that can really, you know, when I say evaluator, I think of people like a, a Belichick, a Parcells, that they can spot talent specific talent a mile away right but they also know how to develop that talent into better football players it's more of a a thought process of look we're going to line up straight across from the guy that we're playing and we're just going to be better than them as opposed to some other coaches who are like you know what we're going to outsmart you we're going to out scheme you when you get both of those things put together that's what makes a great coach at least that's what i've seen in my you know little bit of time of watching football so um, when it comes to halfley to me halfley seems more of the scheme 
type coach, right? Now, I have heard several people say that he is uh, kind of the DB whisperer, if you will, right? You're getting a great defensive backs coach. I've heard, I've had several people tell me that now, having just conversations off the air, doing interviews here on the air, like with Coach Haddad, he mentioned it. There were several other people, too, that, that had just kind of talked about, like, this guy, he knows how to coach up DB. So I'm excited to see what he can do, and maybe he can unlock Eric Stokes, right? Now, first of all, Eric Stokes has got to be on the field. We all We all know and agree with that, right? So we'll see if they can get over the health issue and all that good stuff, but um, can he kind of pull the most out of Eric Stokes? Because I think we would all agree he's underperformed when he has been on the field, right? His rookie year was the best showing. And then, of course, um, ever since then, he's pretty much graded out in the 50s. So uh, according to PFF, of course, and and you guys know when I watch the tape, the big, the big knock I have on Eric Stokes is he doesn't find the ball well, which is really odd for someone who plays good man coverage, right? He Coming out of Georgia, that was kind of – he was cut from that cloth that, hey, this is a really good man cover corner. Um, usually man cover corners do a great job staying in that hip pocket, which I feel like Eric Stokes does a pretty good job of that, but also being able to snap that head around and find the ball. I feel like that's where he's come up a little bit a little bit short. So I'm excited to see if Jeff Halfley can get the most out of him too. But Matt Schneiden tweeted out, um, basically Jeff Halfley will speak with reporters tomorrow afternoon, talking about today. This was tweeted out yesterday. For the first time as Packers DC, Matt LaFleur at the podium before him. And then he quote tweeted that and put 245 Central Time for Matt LaFleur, three for Jeff Halfley. So – that's kind of how that'll all unfold here this afternoon. What we're going to do too is uh, we're going to tonight on PTA Live, we'll be talking about that presser. Okay. We'll have sound bots, all that good stuff, and, and bring you all the updates on what was said. Here's the thing like, I'm not, I'm not expecting anything, you know, uh, drastic to be, you know, conveyed at this press conference. I don't think they're going to come out and go, guys, here's exactly what we're going to do. Right. No coach does that. I think it's just going to be a really good opportunity to kind of feel Jeff Halfley's energy. Right. Because he seems like he's he's very, very well spoken. He's a good communicator. Um, I'm just that's kind of the things I'm keying in on. He, he may drop a few nuggets in there. I'm sure he'll be asked by the media. Um, hey, are you guys going to go to a four three? Right. And, and it seems like, you know, the fact that that Tom Silverstein already talked about that, them going to a four three to me that kind of leads me to believe that that came from the front office, from the coaching staff, what have you. So I think they wanted that information out. I think they that was that was kind of Spoon delivering that straight from, you know, whether it's LaFleur or Goody. When Spoon, when he tweets something out, there's a reason he's tweeting it out. I'll just leave it at that, right? He's been with the team for so long that I kind of feel like he is the one speaking for the team as opposed to just, hey, let me go. Let me go try to dig for some rumors and see, you know, see what's going on behind the scenes. That's really not Spoon's role in the media. At least it doesn't seem that way. So uh, we'll see how that all goes this afternoon. I know we got some folks here in the chat. Uh, Jay up in the house. Good morning, buddy. Mark in the house. We got David Mitchell. What's up, David? Uh, Reef in here. Jay says hopefully he can whisper in Stokes's ear. That's what we're hoping. Right? A little creepy, to be honest with you, Jay. Sounds a little creepy the way you worded that. But um, yeah, hopefully he can pull the most out of Eric Stokes and even Jair Alexander. Right? Like you know, Jair, he's not played bad, but he's definitely not played up to that level we've seen him play a few years ago. Um, you know, if they do decide to bring Darnell Savage back, that's another one, right? That that you'd like to see them get a lot more out of there too. So uh, yeah, we'll kind of kind of see how it all unfolds. Here's the other thing, too. The, the the part that sucks as a fan, you know, me being a fan first and foremost, is you're probably not going to know what you're going to have for two or three years. You know, you can't expect the guy to just come in and make this immediate impact. Everybody expected Brian Flores to do that in Minnesota. 
I don't I don't look back at Minnesota's season and go, wow, Brian Flores really turned that defense around, right? You it, it takes a year or two to get kind of those guns that you want, those guys that you want in the roster. Um, on the roster, I should say, and, and in the game, so you can you can form some of those uh those different type of schemes that you that you want to attack with. Now, the big thing for me is the proper expectations too. Like with Joe Barry, I think it's safe to say no one had proper expectations for him, right? Like we were expecting him to run Fangio's scheme. Remember, last year we did not run Fangio's scheme, so it's like we we definitely did a, a piss poor job. Um, setting the proper expectations for him. When it comes to Hathley, you just all you got to go off of is all right, what are the parameters that are set within the National Football League as far as the the current defenses, right? How much man do they play? The peak of the mountain is 40% man coverage, right? The bottom of the heap, probably a little closer to 20%. I think we finished, we settled in at 23%, I believe, last year. And we we didn't run the fewest amount of uh man coverage either. So um it's just those proper expect people are saying, oh, he's going to get crazy at the line of scrimmage and we're going to be bringing all these exotic blitzes and this and that. And, and the numbers don't suggest that's what he's going to do. If you go off of, you know, Robert Sala, who only rushed for, I think, 80 percent of the he rushed for 80 percent of the time, which was most in the league, if I remember correctly. So they played a little more too high than we did. Um, so, you know, it, I think the point is as a D.C. coming in. You got to be flexible. You got to be willing to adjust and adapt. And there's a, a pod that dropped earlier today. I need to go listen to it. I haven't got a chance to listen to it yet. Ross Tucker and, and Greg Cosell talking about what he learned scheme wise this year. And every year we kind of, I look for Greg Cosell to do these type of podcasts because he's going to give you just a, a very, very generalized version of, okay, here is what we've seen with scheme change this year. And it's absolutely huge to stay on top of that because even though it was something that was done last year, it's not, it doesn't mean that it's something that's going to be done this year. You know, it's constantly changing, constantly evolving as far as that goes. So um, that's the that's the type of stuff I really get into, especially coming out of the off season too. It's just all right. Hey, what what do we think is going to happen across the league this year? You know, you've seen Fangio leave Miami and go to Philadelphia, right? And if you go and look at you know the way Fangio ran his defense. I don't think anyone would say that there's another team that's more Fangio than Fangio, right? Well, they they finished pretty strong, to be honest with you, and they played more of the uh, the traditional Fangio style, style, you know, with the two high and all that good stuff. So uh, we'll see, man. We'll see how everything goes. But uh, yeah, I hope he can pull the most out of Eric Stokes too, man. We got Emilio in the house now. Emilio, how you doing, Bo? What's going on, Clayton? My bad, man. I saw you at it for nine thirty. I was I was getting stuff together. I see, and then nine fifteen. I said, "Uh oh." Yeah, I was gonna say, no, it's not your fault. I, I hopped around a little bit with the time. I was sitting there going, "I don't know if anybody's gonna be on." So let's just crank this thing up because most people got their schedule a little set to us going at nine. So right, I figured we'd go ahead and fire it up. So. Yeah, just had to tell myself that uh, you know the leaf job can wait a little bit. We'll push that <laughs> off. I was gonna, you know, tell the boss I'm sleeping in. I know it's tough, right? It's tough to convince yourself you don't need to get out in that cold air and, and blow leaves, right? Right, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's an easy sale. Reef in the chat said, I want to see confident energy and knowledgeable energy. Uh, I think that's pretty well worded there, Reef. Um, yeah, just someone – and, again, if your players – Leadership 101 is people will follow you if they think you know where you're going, right? If they believe that, hey, this guy knows exactly what he's trying to accomplish and where he's going, they'll follow the problem with Joe Barry is you could tell that he was, I don't want to say forced, but 
Matt LaFleur was pulling the strings. He said it at his presser, right, going into the second half of the season, whatever. He, he was going to kind of call, you know, not call the defense, not call the shots completely, but like, yeah, we got to do more of this. We got to do more of that. So, you know, once it gets to the point where, okay, the DC is now being told by the head coach, hey, here's exactly what you do, whether it's the right move or not, one, one byproduct of that are the players are going to look up and go, well, why should I listen to him? He's not. He's not in charge of the defense, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and hopefully you don't have that within your organization because that that does breed a little bit of, uh, you know, it, it's just a lack of unity, really. But you know, you could tell Matt Lafleur heard people heard the complaints there. He, he, there was no complaining going on the first half of the season. And when things go a little bit awry, all of a sudden, bang, here it comes, right? So, um, yeah. Let's see. Uh, Jay in the chat says, "Seem very confident." The pods I've seen. I agree, man. He he kind of he kind of. Uh, Oozes that confidence for sure. David Mitchell says, I want to see slash hear Campanile at the podium too, but I don't know if the Packers have the capability to bleep out the colorful language. Yeah, if I was Jeff Halfley, I would just go up there and say, all right, go go get on camp. Send camp <laughs> out there. And you you seen that meme, Emilio, where it was the, the little old lady is in the background. Somebody's chewing somebody out, and she's crossing her arms and shaking her head like, yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> that's what we need. We just need Halfley in the background while camp – does that so mm-hmm. um, yeah but no I mean you're right if uh you know if if the team had confidence in them I I mean the players you know will start to follow but if Matt LaFleur's got to walk you know hold his hand the whole time that's that that could be a problem I don't think half is going to be like that I really don't um so yeah. I'm you know excited we we're excited to see what he kind of schemes up we're obviously not going to get any of that today but to hear him talk you know with the green and gold on for the first time um you know that'll be good yeah for sure man definitely yeah, Mark says, Clayton, you sound tired, buddy. Let me tell you, this uh, whatever I got going on right now with these allergies or whatever, it's kicking my rear end. But we're trying to, uh-huh. we are trying to keep up, trying to keep up with the pods for sure. So, uh, with that being said, though, let's uh, look. I'm looking forward to that presser, and like I said, we'll we'll hit on it on PTA live tonight. I got a couple nice. videos keyed up here, Emilio. Um, what what would you like to start with? You want to start with history? Or you want to start with a little draft? Because I, I got a video from Daniel Jeremiah. That's it's quite long. It's like I don't know, like fourteen or fifteen minutes long. We won't play the whole thing, but I just want to get to some bits and pieces of it. Um, it's it's basically him talking about a scout's life and, and what they're doing this time of year as far as going in and and scouting players for the draft. Which would you like to hit first? Let's let's hit the history first, and let's just finish up with the draft talk. Sounds good. I think that's a great plan. All right, here we go. Let's do it. So this we're picking up in 1940. Okay, so we're we're kind of stepping yeah. into the 40s now. Obviously, I think what they say, Lambeau won what was it five championships? I think so. Yep, he's a coach for 20 years, right? The only yeah. coach they've known. Exactly. So we're going to step into the 1940s here, and uh, it gets it gets really good. You know, you basically you're gonna you're gonna talk about Lambeau kind of keeping the team afloat and how he's trying to keep talent, you know, flowing into Green Bay. They're going to mention a playoff game versus the Bears and and something that, you know, really affected the entire world that took place uh, on that same day, which is wild to be thinking about. You're playing a game. You're watching the Bears, the Packers play a playoff game. Um, And when I say playoff game, it was like a one-game playoff to see who goes to the championship game. And then all of a sudden you get breaking news over the radio at the game of something tragic happening. And, and of course, 40s, you probably already caught on. We're talking about Pearl Harbor. So um, it's kind of cool to get a little bit of world-slash-U.S. history mixed in with Packers history in this episode. But, again, this comes from the Packers Legacy documentary. Um, You can find it on their YouTube channel for free. Make sure you go give it a like and share that video all over 
the interwebs. Let's get that thing spread around. They did an excellent job with it. So let's pick up in the 1940s. And Forest Behind Its Survival is an amazing story. It's it's truly unique. It's uh, There's no other story like it in sports, and so much of it is what Curly did. Lambeau had a dream, and he accomplished it. He manifested it. Curly Lambeau, in his senior annual, makes a comment about after athletics, he's going to conquer the world. Little does he know that through athletics, through football, he's actually going to conquer the world. In a day where the signature of big business is emblazoned across most NFL stadiums, the name of a man is the moniker of what may be the country's most famous football shrine, Lambeau. He was a real inspirational guy, and uh, he demanded a lot. And we respect him, and uh, we got, we, he got a lot out of us. He had that charm that he could sell a person about joining the Packers team. He was a leader, obviously, not only starting the Packers, but to the longevity, to stay. He was a man, obviously, of great ambition. The key to his success as coach of the Packers was he was a great recruiter. He was a, a really good salesman, and it was his keen eye for talent and his persuasiveness, the way he talked to people and brought them in. The story of the Green Bay franchise is a spectacular sports drama. Where would you ever suspected that a town of 45,000 would get a franchise and uh, compete against the big cities in the National Football League? Writers in New York are writing that until the NFL throws Green Bay out of the league, it'll never be big time. They're on top of the world, yet they're really not. As a new decade dawns, Green Bay is winning games, but not producing enough revenue. Packers are coming off a championship season where they made $1,000. Financially, they just weren't bringing in the money that the bigger New York, Chicago, those type cities were bringing in. When the 1930s turned into the 1940s, the Packers were still selling only about 2,000 season tickets. The NFL of that time was still a small operation. It was a minor sport. College football was the big sport, and pro football was an afterthought. It was not very well covered. It was not very well attended. August 1940. The season begins with Lambeau's nucleus intact. Green Bay Packers square off against the college all-stars at Soldier Field. It was the NFL champion of the previous season, playing a group of college draft picks of NFL teams put together for just that one game. And at that time, Soldier Field held 85,000. So it was the biggest stage in football. So that was another appeal to Lambeau. Lambeau had a big ego. It is a crowd of well over 84,000. In the early years, the college teams could hold their own with the pros. Adding strength to the college experts. Um, opinion that they were, they were on the same level as, as professional football teams. Lambeau had lost to the All-Stars the first time the Packers played him. Revenge was on his mind. Arch Ward, who created the college All-Star game, was never quite convinced that we were better than the college teams because we didn't beat him. We got back at him and beat him 45-28. And Arch Ward says pro football has finally arrived. I asked him one time, what do you think was a, was a, was a, was a singular thing that, that you accomplished as a coach? He said, you know, you'll, you'll be surprised. The 1940 college all-star game. 
up until the day he died, he called it his biggest victory. Said because at that time, people were still thinking that college football was on the same level as pro football. And that might seem odd to football fans today because it's still listed as an exhibition game and the all-time scores. With his personal victory behind him, Lambeau now feels the sky's the limit. On a frigid day, November 1940. I just want to say this. How cool is it that at the time, Emilio, you know, college football was considered the superior, right? Like uh, many people don't know that. And if you watch the movie Leatherheads, they they depict that really well in the opening scene. They kind of talk about they actually asked the bullet, right? Um, <laughs> Jim Halpert in the in the movie, obviously <laughs> playing <laughs> playing the bullet. He's supposed to be kind of the Red Grange character, which Red Grange was like the first big superstar to come from college football and play pro, if I understood correctly. So they asked him, you know, what's next for you? Pro? Are you going pro? And they all look back and laughed, like whatever. And then it shows this cow pasture and people playing pro football. So <laughs> Curly was the one who kind of helped break down that barrier. He said that was his biggest win was Booker. And it sounds silly to think about today because, you know, the NFL is so much more advanced than college football. But at the time, it was like we finally beat the college all-stars. All right, now the NFL is the superior organization, right. league, right. whatever, right? Pretty they cool. finally stepped up to the plate. Yeah. So that kind of kicked things off, and that's why it was so important to Curly. Like, not only was Curly doing things for the for the Packers like that, you know, breaking down barriers, but he also, you know, kind of set the stage for the NFL to become the powerhouse it was, you know, is today over college football. So pretty cool stuff. The Packers board a United Airline flight bound for New York. Curly was, you know, known as an innovator of his sorts. Packers were the first team to fly to a road game. They took a train to Chicago. And uh, cabs to the airport. They boarded two DC 12s to fly to New York. The league required them to fly in two airplanes, fearing the possibility of a hard disaster that would wipe out the franchise. They had a stop in Cleveland to refuel. The milestone is marred. There was fog in New York, and they wouldn't be able to continue the trip. They had to take a train from Cleveland to New York. And got there about 12 hours late. Fortunately, they had left three days early. 1941 starts much like 1940. Teams knew that if they had the Packers on their schedule, they were going to have a good turnout that day for the game. They were still a good draw on the road. George House was happy with that down in Chicago. Some of his biggest crowds were the Packer game down there every year. At home, it's a different story. Ticket sales continue to disappoint. NFL owners are losing money when they play in Green Bay. 1941, Curly Lambeau comes back from the NFL's annual meeting where they set the schedule, and he only has, at that point, two teams, Chicago and Detroit, willing to play in Green Bay. Nobody else wants to play here. Green Bay was just too small to support a professional football team, especially at that time. Packers were having trouble drawing for some of their home games. They'd always get a sellout for the Bears, usually a big crowd for Detroit, but the other game was always a tough sell, particularly if it fell on deer hunting weekend. Men in Green Bay do have their priorities. The board of directors tap into the well that is their constant support. They meet with over 40 of Green Bay's most prominent business leaders to discuss plans for an upcoming season ticket drive. So it's something that was just inbred into the community. A lot of people that just love football and wanted to see it survive. So they set a goal in 41 to try to sell 5,000. They felt that was what they needed to stay in the league. The Packers fall short again. 
they sell 2,864 season tickets, not much more than half. The Packers end the season 10-1. The Bears are 9-1, with another week to play. The Packers are assured no less than a tie for the Western Division title. The Bears had one more game left. They needed to win to force a playoff. So the Packers took a train from Green Bay to Chicago, go down to Comiskey Park to watch the Cardinals play the Bears. That's a big game. If the, if the Bears get beat, we'll be Western Division champions and we'll be in the NFL championship game. The Chicago Bears beat the Chicago Cardinals and force a playoff game against the Packers. December 7th, 1941. They were sitting in the end zone at Comiskey Park when the announcement was made. Special news bulletin, the Japanese have attacked Pearl Harbor, Hawaii by air, President Roosevelt has just announced. The bombing of Pearl Harbor, that drew the United States into World War II. Yesterday, December 7th, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. United States of America was suddenly and deliberately attacked by naval and air forces of the Empire of Japan. The immediate reaction of the players was that they knew they were going off to war. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. 
because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. They also knew that they had a football game to play the next weekend. The Bears were the monsters of the Midway at the time and were favorites. That game was an instant sellout. 41, 42,000. The Bears reign victorious, defeating the Packers 33-14 at Wrigley Field. The Bear-Packers series, they created a lot of interest. These men were in the limelight. The publicity they got extended beyond Green Bay in Wisconsin. The following week, Chicago hosts the New York Giants for the NFL championship game. The attendance, a mere 13,000. The Bear-Packer game was bigger than the NFL championship game. The fans just didn't think that would be as good of a game because the Giants weren't the Packers. That's wild, isn't it? The Absolutely. Packers Bears drew what was it like almost almost thirty thousand more fans than the NFL mm-hmm. championship. Like that's how much more popular it was. I love you, you've seen the movie A Christmas Story, right? Yeah. Like we everybody watches it every year, right? Ralphie and his Red Rider BB gun. I love I love the little clip it shows of the of the parents, you know, they'll meet breakfast and they ask, you know. About the monsters of the midway, they're talking about the Packers Bears. Yeah, Packers Bear, you know, Packers play Chicago this week. You know, and I love what he said. Man, freezes Keister off out there. <laughs> so well, it's well cool. bigger. How how big like that movie is watched probably more than any Christmas movie every year. It's just on loop constantly on TV, mm-hmm. right? And the two football teams they mention in that movie, it's the Packers and the Bears. Pretty cool. Yeah. So what do you think about that though? Could you imagine being in a ball game and then all of a sudden hearing that? that, you know, another country attacked a military fleet mm-hmm. on U.S. soil. That's wild, isn't it? Absolutely crazy. Absolutely. And and their their first thought was probably true. You know, hey, we're we're up and gone. You know, no no more football now. We got we got real problems we got to deal with. So, yep. um, you know, just a different era. And honestly, crazy that, you know, the they, they tried everything, you know, they tried to sell the tickets. They tried to do this. They tried to do that. They still couldn't, you know, hit it home. They, they couldn't get the team to, um, you know, bring in those crowds, but yeah, man, we do have the bears to thank for, for still being the bears, but yeah, no, it's, it's a fact, man. And, and like, you know, the other thing too, you talked about going to war, that was something that really kind of when world war two hit, you know, there was many baseball players that left. You guys know I'm a big baseball fan, so I've, I've kept up with baseball history too pretty significantly. There were so many players that went over to war, so it kind of depleted the talent within the league. And, you know, think of it this way, like this what we went through with the pandemic, right, with the whole COVID thing. Whether you agree that the lockdowns were important or not makes no difference. The result is still there, right? You got a lot of businesses that got destroyed. You got a lot of lives that got destroyed. You know, I was talking to a potential sponsor yesterday, and they were talking about how COVID just destroyed their business. So they're now on the backside of that trying to rebound. Imagine a war breaking out. Mm-hmm. You know, all of your most competent players, which are employees essentially, going off the war, and and now you're just left with kind of okay, let's try to keep this patch together until those guys get back right. you know, from fighting the war. And obviously the, you know, the safety of the American people and, and you know, the the borders of our country and all that th- is, is the most important aspect. Sports takes a deep, deep back burner to that. Right. It's just, just wild to kind of think about how everything unfolded. I mean, you know, like I said, the power goes out for 10 minutes. We're over here like this. Mm-hmm. And look at what these people went through over and over and over throughout time to make sure we got all the freedom that we have and everything. I can't. I, and, and here's the thing on this pod. 
if me saying, hey, you know, saying thanks to the troops and thanks to uh, our military men and women that protect us on a daily basis, if that pisses any listeners off, I don't need that listener. I'm just going to mm-hmm. be honest. And and if I can be real for just a second, the people who the, – the, the same people who, who don't think – I really got to watch my words. <laughs> it's a, you can you can look at someone's timeline, you can look at someone's Facebook page, their Instagram, whatever, and really tell where their priorities are. Mm-hmm. They're never never shouting out the troops. They're never giving giving thanks to people. And I'm not talking pro warrior. I'm talking pro warrior, right? The people that lay their life on the line to make sure we stay protected. We have the freedoms we got. You can look at other people and go, "Well, y'all don't mention that much, do you?" That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you don't hear you don't hear him talking about uh, you know standing for the flag, kneeling for the cross, or anything. So right. that's you know it's yeah, it is what it is, man. Yeah, it that's a, that's the truth. the The irony of the whole situation is the people who the men and women who fought and died for those freedoms. So you have the right to do that. Um, that's that's the real irony, you know. Um, and and I love there was actually a really good story on the whole kneeling for the flag thing that that kind of made me step back and go. That's that's an interesting take. Um, I've had really good conversations with people that that I'm sure I disagree with on on these specific matters. But to hear, you know, kind of how how they came together on a solution for that whole thing. You know, one of the reasons that I respect Dak Prescott so much is because he was very vocal. He was very vocal. And that's why, you know, we do the here you go all the time. Just joking. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know he was very vocal. Like, look, this, this is, this is a strong belief. And, you know, I have a strong belief here. This is something that, that, that means something to me, meaning standing for the right. whether everyone else wants to do that or not, that's none of his business. Right. And that's essentially what he was saying. Like you do whatever you want to do. I'm going to stand. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I appreciate that someone, especially in 2024 is willing to stand up and, and say what they actually believe because we've got this all twisted up that going going hand in hand with our government and the establishment constantly is that we're the real rebels. That's, that's a bunch of BS. Um, it's about unifying as, as a country and taking care of one another. That's what should be most important. And that, you know, people would lead you, would want to lead you to believe that you're, you're way different than your neighbor, right? You guys are divided. Oh no, you think this, I think that we're not the, you know, it's a bunch of BS. I guarantee you, if you sat down with someone who disagrees with you completely politically, if you sat down and had a cup of coffee and it was just you and you didn't have Fox News and CNN on in the background and it's just, hey, what's important to you? What's important to you? You'll probably come away going, damn, we're we're a lot more alike than I Mm -hmm. thought. Yeah, that's pretty close. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, you know, Dak's one that stood up, you know, that that really hits me. Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones is one. He comes from a military family. You know where his priorities lie. I love what he stands for. Uh, another one's Jordan Love. Who was he just out with? He was out with Drew Brees working out, right? You guys mm-hmm. remember when Drew Brees got absolutely canceled because he was vocal about it? I love that Jordan's spending time with people like that. And then, of course, Jordan this past year, um, where we live in a, a day and age where a certain select group is trying to paint all police officers as evil, right? And, you know, Jordan's both his parents were police officers. What did he do? He surprised the local police department and everything last year and met with the police officers there in, in, in Green uh, or in uh, Green Bay and, and Brown County and and like showed his support for them. I love that he's the quarterback of the mm-hmm. Green Bay Packers. I absolutely love it, dude. 100 percent. Yeah. Appreciate it. No, I'm not going to read it, but uh, I, I appreciate you saying that, Bubba. Thank you so much, mm-hmm. man. Um, there you go. So 
yeah, pretty cool, man. Um, I like what Chewy said there, visiting the Brown County. Oh, yeah, there you go. Visiting, visiting the Brown County uh, Veteran Memorial was very emotional for me. Got some really cool stuff, man. Got some cool – and it's all over the country. The problem mm-hmm. is the news never talks about these things. They, they want to talk right. about all the division. They don't want to talk about, you know, some of the other stuff that, uh, I don't know, that makes our country so great, man. So – well, that being said, let's talk a little uh, draft. I thought it was – I mean, that's that's some heavy stuff with Pearl Harbor, man. Oh. It, you know, they're thinking if they can attack a military base like that and we're sitting in this stadium with 40,000 people, whatever it is, watching a ball game, it's like what's about to happen right now? You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Um, those are the things that, uh, that people don't really think about, and I think it's important to just – like I said, man, always pay respect uh, and, and – you know, to, to the military and, and just the people that give us our, our freedom, man. There's, some gave their life so we can be sitting here talking about a stupid little game called football. Right. <laughs> Green Bay Packers. So, all right. Um, this video I've got of Daniel Jeremiah, guys, it's long, and we're going hit to get with a hit with a copyright. So, understand the stream may go down and it may come back up. Uh, hopefully, it does come back up because I know I like chatting with you guys here live. But it's a little long. I'm going to hop around a bit. But – it's Daniel Jeremiah talking about what goes into scouting, okay, and getting ready for the draft. There's some really cool nuggets in here, and uh, I just retweeted a article by Paul Brettel. Make sure you guys go show Paul some love. He wrote up an article on RAS and kind of describing, all right, here's some of the players that had the higher RASs. Like Dontavian Wicks is one that had a uh, an R, a, uh, a uh, um, RAS in the nines, I believe, really high RAS. And you know, there's some there's kind of some breadcrumbs that you can follow along to see who the Packers may be on or off. Now, there's some in there like Jaden Reed who had a really low RAS, right? He ended right. up our best receiver. So um, you got you to take it with a grain of salt, but it's important to try to understand what RAS is. Paul did a good job with that. But anyway, here goes Daniel Jeremiah. I've heard people in the past on podcasts go, well, Daniel Jeremiah doesn't know what he's talking about, and they make fun of Mike Mayock and, and this and that. Mike Mayock is the only media member, the only media member, I'm going to say it one more time, the only media member that predicted – Aaron Rodgers going to the Green Bay Packers at 24. And there's still people going, ah, he's a horrible GM. He doesn't know what he's talking about. And it's like, okay, Daniel Jeremiah, I've, I've seen people rag on him the last few years too. This is a guy that's a former scout. And I want you to listen to everything he's been a part of. And he has, you know, kind of contributed with the Baltimore Ravens is one team that comes to mind where he was one of their head scouts and listen to the work that they put in and his understanding of the scouting process. And the next time one of these knuckleheads on Twitter that has 33 followers and it's their Twitter handle is hambubger869, uh, say, okay, just ask yourself, hmm, has he been in a draft room before? Has he ever scouted before? Hmm. Question's probably, or the answer is probably no, but here's right. Daniel Jeremiah. Let's go. There's going to be some Microsoft service tablet advertisements here. Obviously, they're the – the official tablet of the NFL. Awesome, by the way. I bought one. It's phenomenal. i got to be honest with you. But um, here we go. Daniel Jeremiah, former scout, kind of breaking down some of the process. We probably won't watch the whole video. I'll jump around a bit, and then we'll come back and and wrap this thing up. Here we go. 73,000 college football players in the United States of America, 16,000 of which are draft eligible. This year, only 259 will hear their name called on draft day. That means 1.6% of the draft eligible players will actually be drafted. And the guys who have to figure it all out, the NFL scouts. The scout is the job that's arguably the most important job for any NFL team. They're acquiring the talent. 
All 32 teams have scouts. They're deployed all over the country. They're out there evaluating players. They stack players, this guy versus that guy. Who do we want? Who do we not want? And who's going to help us chase a championship? When you start this process, you're going to start with player one. You're going to take your notes. You're going to write your background information. You're going to evaluate that number one player. That one player is going to be the first of approximately 300 to 400 players that each individual scout is going to evaluate. You're going to pull all these names together. You're going to have well over a thousand prospects. On most years, you're going to have seven draft picks. To shrink it all down to make sure that you get the right five to seven players, it's quite a task. Today, we're going to really focus on their job after the season ends and before the draft. That is the sweet spot in scouting. You've been able to study the players, you've watched the games in the fall, and now the real process begins. Breaking down game film is always going to be the most important factor when it comes to scouting. We can put guys in shorts and t-shirts and let them run around on the field. That has its role, it has its purpose, there is value there. But nothing replaces what they're like in football pads on a football field. Guess what? Playing the game of football. That's what's going to be the biggest determinant of whether you're successful or not at the next level. When I started scouting in 2003, I used to have to lug around a beta deck. Uh, yeah, a beta deck, not a VHS deck, a beta deck, as well as a box of beta tapes where I could fit one half of one game on one tape for one side of the ball. Then from there, we got to DVDs. You would have thought that we landed on the moon in scouting. We had a case logic we could bring around with just some DVDs. It can't get simpler than this until we arrived here. Back in the day, we used to say, let's watch three, let's watch four games on each player. Now we get a chance to put the entire college football season on one Surface tablet. You take this with you on the road, you've got every game right at your fingertips. We have ways now to sort the video where we can be way more efficient with our time. If I'm watching a pass rusher, I can watch all of his third down reps and just watch him rush the passer. If I'm watching a receiver, I can sort it by targets and I can watch every pass that's been thrown to him throughout the entire year. In years past, you might watch three games, they might be the wrong three games, and you might get the player completely wrong. You end up not having a feel for them. You're not gonna find a good NFL team if they don't have a good quarterback. It's the most important position that we scout. Accuracy, decision-making, and poise. Those are three crucial, crucial elements to a quarterback evaluation. And then I've added over the years, are you a playmaker? Can, can you make some things happen? Can you play outside of the structure of the offense? Let's dig into the video here. Bryce Young and what we see and what I love about him. You can see it against Kansas State in the bowl game. It, it's the pre-snap recognition. It's getting his eyes on the safety. We always say in, in scouting and in quarterback play, the safeties are the window into the soul of the defense. So that's where his eyes go. And once he sees safety. I love that, Emilio. The safety is the what is it, eyes into the window of the, def, of the soul mm -hmm. of the defense. Is that right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, the safety is the window into the soul of the defense. It's huge. Everything starts and ends with the safeties. Mm -hmm. You know, Kurt Benkert was talking the other day on his pod about how they read coverages and how you you notice whether they're bringing four or five or six without looking at them. You're looking downfield. You're looking in the secondary, but your peripheral is allowing you to re realize, okay, they're only bringing four here, which means if they're bringing four, 
then how many do we have in coverage? If they're bringing, you know, five, how many we have in coverage? Where are those windows? What are the options? Your, your mind has to compute in real time. Okay. If they're bringing four, right, there's 11 on the field. It means there's seven in coverage. So if they're bringing four, there's seven in coverage. What could the option be? Cover three, three deep, four underneath. It could be right. cover four, four deep, three underneath. And immediately when you realize four deep, three deep, or two deep, now you know where your side adjustment goes to your next progression and where the window should be open. And in some cases, you don't even have time to see if it's open. It's just mechanically four deep, three under, mid mid read, let the thing right. know where your guy's going to be. Same as like the Lombardi sweep, right? Each tackle's got their own responsibility. Then you got one, two, three options based on you know the man in front of you. Same exact thing. Right. Pretty cool stuff, man. Football players are smart. Some people would lead you to believe they're, they're big, stupid doofuses, but I'm telling you, football players are smart. <laughs> he's subtle. He knows he's got a shot to take a deep shot down the field. So he sees it, he identifies it, he does it very fast, and then he gets the ball out over the top and extremely accurate with his ball placement. Down here in the red zone, you're gonna get a zero blitz. So they're playing man-to-man, there is no safety. They are gonna bring one more than you can block. That's where everything speeds up around you. It's a fast mind, but it's a very calm, poised body within the pocket. It doesn't stress him out. You don't see him uncomfortable. He just hangs in there, identifies the matchup that he wants. The ball's gone, touchdown. His superpower is what's between his ears. He makes it look easy. Trust me, it is not that easy. When you're in college, you can skate by on your athletic ability. You're going to be better than the guy that you play against, and that's going to be enough. When you get to the National Football League, everyone's just like you. These are the best of the best. This is the most talented men who play this game on planet Earth. So if you're just going to show up when it's time for practice and you're just going to show up when it's time for the game and that's all the level of commitment that you possess, you have zero chance of being successful in this league. I need to talk to your coaches. I need to talk to your teammates. I might even talk to some of your opponents who knew you when you were a kid because talent, it's not enough. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. When you're watching a player, you might think he's fast when you watch him on tape but you can't account for who he's playing against and how fast or slow that player might be. One of the values of the NFL scouting combine is you get a chance to see all these players in the same environment, on the same field, and they're competing not only against the guys in their position group in their draft class, they're competing against a standard that's been set from previous combines and previous draft classes. The college game, while it's similar to the NFL, it's also different. They're asked to do different things. At the combine, you get a chance to see them do exactly what they'll be asked to do at the NFL level. The metrics and the numbers that matter are gonna vary by position. You can be a 4-6-40 receiver and you can make plays because guess what? If you're running 4-6, the guy covering you is running 4-6 as well. If you're a corner and you run 4-6 and you've got a receiver who runs 4-3, now we got a problem. we got an issue here. So the 40 matters for the corners more than any other position. Think about that, man. It's something that we don't 
talk about at all, right? You hear 40-yard dash, you just think, okay, it's just more important for the receivers that, you know, 40-yard dash to be just to be out, you know, through the roof, right? Right. It's more important for corners because, like he's saying, is whether you run a 4-6-40 or a 4-3-40 as, as a wide receiver, you're if you're currently running 4-6, the corner has to match your speed. So it's more about the separation, the quick twitch, you being able to, to manipulate in the route running, you know, like like Dontavian Wicks is doing, like like Tay Adams has done for so long, right? It's more important. Forty yard dash is more important for corners than is in what than it is wide receivers because you got to be able and willing to match the speed of the wide receiver as opposed to the wide receiver dictating the speed that the corners moving at. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah. No. Exactly. And that's why you know now you look back at it. That's why they invested in Stokes. I mean, that yep. dude has top top end speed. Bingo. There you go, man. You see the value. It doesn't make them a great football player, right? They got right. to adjust, and they, but you you see the value more there with the the speed. You know, last year, like I said, the RAS with Jaden Reed, right? It's mm-hmm. like you know it, that that speed doesn't matter as much for great wide receivers. Look at Jerry Rice. Jerry, Jerry Rice wasn't a burner, right? But boy, he knew how to he knew how to turn it on when he needed to turn it on. He knew how to separate when a corner was in his hip pocket, all those things. So exactly. Um, matter of fact, let's just wrap that video up right there. We're at the 44 minute mark. I'll pick up on the second half tonight if we have time. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll just roll with it that way. So I'll make a note here to yeah, pick up the DJ video at the halfway point tonight. But I love hearing from scouts, man. Like, especially this time of year, it's real easy to get lost in in just all the the nuances. I mean, you go to you go to Twitter, people are wanting to argue over every single mock draft, and it's like we can be taking this time, this energy to actually learn stuff. And when a former scout like that talks, man, that, I'm going to shut my mouth and listen. Mm-hmm. It's just I watched that video. I don't think three or four times yesterday and just keep picking stuff up on it. The wide receiver thing was the one that stood out to me the most that I really wanted to get to this morning because we put a lot of stock in that speed aspect of the combine, the 40-yard dash. He goes on, and we'll hit on it later. He goes on to talk about offensive linemen. They don't worry about 40-yard dashes. Now, that does go into the RAS score, obviously, but what you want to key in on the RAS score is the quickness, the 10-yard speed. You know, Mm -hmm. shuttles, all that. How often are you going to need an offensive lineman to hit top speed? That's what the forty-yard dash is, right? right? So, there you go. No, yeah, you're looking. You're looking at a five-yard engagement for that offensive lineman. You know, max ten yard. That's a ten, that's the that ten-yard shuttle at the end where you go five, five, ten, um, or five, ten, five, and that that ten is a pull. That's about it. You know, we're not uh, we're not running the sweep here, but exactly. Yeah. So, um, we'll, like I said, we'll pick up on the second half of that. Tonight, uh, like I said, that Paul Paul Brettle article, um, great article he just wrote. I'm going to try to screen grab a couple of that. I'm going to get uh, confirmation from him. He's okay with me using it. Um, but uh, just did a good job kind of laying out some of the players, and we'll highlight that tonight. You guys make sure you go retweet it. Blow his mind. Hop on Twitter, at Paul underscore Brettle, and retweet the heck out of that. If you guys are listening to this pod two days ago, you know, two days later, right? If if, if you're listening to this, what is today? I don't even know what the day is. I've been so Thursday. It's right. Thursday. If you're listening to this on Saturday or Sunday and you go, ah, oh, man, I missed it. Go to Paul Brittle's Twitter page, mm-hmm. come back, find that where he mentions Math Bomb and, and RAS and retweet it for him. And that dude is – he's a phenomenal – he's so underrated. I'm I'm so excited to see Paul's career take off because that dude is just – he's been a blessing to us and uh, he just – he handles everything the right way. Love that Definitely. guy. So let's do this, man. Let's dive in as we get ready to wrap up. We're at the 47 minute mark. Um, I hopped over to Mock Draft Database and I went ahead and subscribed to Mock, da- Mock Draft Database, paid a little bit of money there uh, to get the ads off the screen for us so we don't have to deal with that moving forward. Uh-oh. 
let's dive in here. Um, and this is uh, there's a number of different things we can look at here. What I wanted to look at was some of the mock drafts. So if you guys see at the top of the screen here, you've got this whole you got mock draft simulator. We do that all the time. You got consensus mock drafts, consensus big boards, right? If you click on consensus big boards, that's kind of where we're at. That shows their current big board as it sits right now. Okay. And it was last updated 11 hours ago. So you see stuff already shifting around. Why is, why are things shifting around? You guys know I get the information from the consensus uh, uh, consensus uh, big board into my database early before these shifts happen. And the reason being is why in the world would a player move up or down on the consensus big board now, Emilio? What what would be the reasoning that they would be – we haven't seen the combine. We've mm-hmm. seen the senior bowl, which is important, obviously. But you had all this information compiled coming out of the college football season where you heard Daniel Jeremiah, the former scout, say – the most important thing is the game tape. So the board was kind of set, and now all of a sudden these guys are shifting. It's my opinion that the reason some of these guys shift, this consensus big board, it's comprised of media members, right, people all mm-hmm. across the board. Well, you know they've got ties to certain organizations. They've got ties to certain universities, right? Mm-hmm. And they're wanting to try to boost those guys a bit, right? They're wanting to try to help out so they can continue to get coverage with those universities, this is just how my mind fires. Like, what else could have caused these to move around the way they have other than the Senior Bowl? And we got the Senior Bowl information already. So it's like, right. why is this stuff shifting? That's why I like to put that information in early. But now we're getting into the later the later stages of the consensus big board before the combine. But here's how it sits. They've got Caleb Williams, number one. Drake May is now number two on the consensus big board. Uh, Marvin Harrison, Jr., three. Jaden Daniels, four. Malik Neighbors, five. Brock Bauer, six. Notre Dame, uh, Joe Alt, seven. Uh, you've got Rome Adunzi at eight. You've got Dallas Turner at nine. And then you've got Fashanu Tackle out of Penn State at 10. That's how the top 10 sit right now. Now, some of the names that we have been talking about, Quinion Mitchell, right? This is his peak. He's peaked now at 15, okay? His projection is to go number 19 to the L.A. Rams, but his peak is 15 as it sits right now. Um, you see how some of these guys just automatically shifted? Yeah. Like, Drake May has soared right to the top, right? Like, what happened? What happened with Drake May? You know what I mean? Like, how, how did he all of a sudden jump up to number two when, it, it, you know, in the in the past he's sitting down around five or six? Yeah. Pretty interesting. So he's peaked as high as one earlier in the year. What's crazy is these, these top four of the top five right here, actually five of the top six, six of the top seven, six of the top seven have been number one at some point or another. You know, it shows where they peak at right here. Right. Caleb Williams had peaked at one. Drake May had peaked at one. Marvin Harris Jr. had peaked at one. Um, Malik Neighbors, wide receiver out of LSU, had peaked at one. And Brock Bowers had peaked at one. It doesn't mean they're going to be taking one. Joe Alt peaked at one as well. It means that they were considered the top talent in the draft at some point this year. Anything stick out to you here about the top ten? No, I think you're right. I mean, they're all kind of, you know, jockeying for position right now. And and the more that comes out, you know, from the – from the, the talking heads, I guess, that, uh, you know, those numbers change. But what else have we gotten? Like you said, unless they're just tearing through that extra game film, unless they're, you know, using AI just to pull out, you know, those third down snaps, like you were saying, um, yep. it's, uh, you know, it's all kind of just a, a numbers game and how loud you kind of talk right now to see where these where these guys fall. Yeah, definitely, man. It's just interesting to see how everything kind of, Falls into place now like you can sort it by position obviously what are our top needs safety let's see what the consensus big board says about safety now 
They've got Tyler Newbin sitting at uh, 44. He peaked at 21, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, they've got him projected to go 38. So if we want him, we'd have to go 25, okay? Cam Kinchins peaked at 20. He's now at 46, right? Um, his projection is number 56 to the Cowboys. So you could get him at 25. You could get him at 41, right? So um, got a couple of different opportunities there to get Cam Kinchins. Look at uh, Javen Bullard, safety out of Georgia. Um, he's projected to go higher than Cam Kinchins now at 52. Remember what we talked about with uh, PFF the other day? Yep. So you see, even though Cam Kinchins is sitting second on the uh, consensus big board, look at his projection. 56. So you've got Javon Bullard going 52 to the Rams. You've got Jaden Hicks, safety out of Washington State, going 51 to the Steelers in these mocks. Okay, so that means there, Cam Kinchins is going to be the fourth best corner taken. That's if Kalen Bullock doesn't go. They don't have a, a strong enough consensus on the on the mock drafts to, to put him anywhere right now. Right. So essentially what you've got is you've got one, two, three, four, five, six safeties that are in the top 100. Cole Bishop at 100. He peaked at 55. He's at 100 out of Utah. you got Jaden Hicks out of Washington State who's at 94. He peaked at 84. You got Kalen Bullock, who's at 67. He peaked at 28 out of USC. Uh, you got J- uh, Javon Bullard um, out of Georgia. He peaked at 35. He's sitting at 57. Cam Kenshin's out of Miami, peaked at 20. He's sitting at 46. And then Tyler Newbin, the top safety in the draft right now, um, peaked at 21. He's sitting at 44. You guys know I was on Newbin. Everyone else was on Cam Kenshin. He's going to be the best safety. He's going to be the best safety. And early on, I was going, man, Tyler Newbin's my guy. Like mm-hmm. This dude looks like he's so much better. Now you see it kind of catching up a little bit. But uh, very interesting there. Another need is corner that we talk about. Let's look at the cornerback room real quick. Terry and Arnold is sitting at 11th out of Alabama. He's projected to go 12th. Uh, Quinion Mitchell is now up to second. Remember in the senior bowl, we said this dude's going to scream up the draft boards, guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, remember at, at the time, Kool-Aid McKinstry, Rake Straw was ahead of him. Cooper DeGene was ahead of him. Yep. Aiden Wiggins was ahead of him. And now Quinion Mitchell has leapfrogged everybody because of his senior bowl performance. And I think that senior bowl is more important than anything. Like yeah. because they get a good strong look at one-on-one matchups with a lot of pressure on the player, that type of thing. But uh Quinion Mitchell, 15, that's where he's peaked. That's the highest he's been. They got him projected to go 19th to LA. So they're suggesting we wouldn't have a shot there. You got Nate Wiggins at 16. He peaked at 14 out of Clemson. Um, he's going number 15 to the Colts in their mock. Then we got Cooper DeGene, the 18th best prospect. He peaked at 13. They've got him projected to go to the Green Bay Packers at 25. If if our draft board had, was set up and he was the 18th best prospect here, Emilio, and we got him at 25, man, you're talking about some great value, dude. Holy yeah, God. that's it. And, I mean, looking at just, just going from safety to corner, it's crazy that you got, what is that, five, five corners in the top um, 20? Versus, you know, no safeties in the top 32. So um, that's it's just crazy. And still with six, seven, I mean, you got seven corners in the top 36 before you even get to a safety. Yeah. Now, immediately you think, okay, if we didn't take a corner with the 25th pick, we didn't go Cooper to Gene. Right. And we went safety. When when can we get the the next best corner? Right. Mm -hmm. And, and, And these are just strictly projections. Right. There could be. These are mock draft projections. It doesn't mean it's going to fall into place like this. TJ Tampa at number 55 would be your best shot to get at 41. Right. If you want to go safety corner as opposed to corner safety. Mm-hmm. Right? Well, look at that drop, though, you know, so it's yeah, it's tough. Pretty significant, man. Pretty significant. Mm-hmm. And that's why, you know, when we traded back and got Kamari Lassiter and then we were able to 
you know, double dip there again with what it was that we picked up like the 62nd pick or whatever. Yep. Helped a lot. Let's go to linebackers now. Let's look at linebackers. You've gotten the 52 spot, uh, Edrin Cooper out of Texas A&M. He is now the top linebacker, right, in uh, in the uh, consensus big board here. It's weird, too, because Edrin Cooper, he goes, you know, he peaked at 38. He's sitting at 52 right now, right? You got Peyton Willis in NC State. Um, you know, at 55, he peaked at 51. Jeremiah Trotter Jr. had peaked at 26, and he's now down to 66. Mm. So it's like, why is he dropping all of a sudden? Right. right? What what happened? What happened since the season? Everybody all of a sudden is like, I don't know about this guy, right? Mm-hmm. I think it's hilarious, too, that the only projections they have for linebackers, they're saying the Eagles are either going to take Edron Cooper at 50 or they're going to take Jeremiah Trotter Jr. at 53, <laughs> or they may take them both. So they're on both of those guys pretty big. Junior Colson, you guys know, is one of the, one of the safer linebackers linebacker bets i think 33rd team's kind of high on them um i think he's my second best linebacker underneath jeremiah trotter jr as it sits right now he's sitting in the 79th spot he peaked at 42 so good value there so you're kind of seeing linebacker with that third pick might make sense for the packers um if you want to get your best value there if the consensus big board is spot on so um just interesting to kind of look at that stuff um if we go to uh let's see where are we at oh we're over on time ain't we or are we no we started late yeah yeah we're at the 56 minute mark. Let's do this. Let's look just real quick at the consensus mock. We'll look at the latest consensus mock draft. Okay. And I like how they do this. See how it says one week, two weeks, one month, two months, all time. Mm-hmm. So this week, and it says it was updated one minute ago. All right. <laughs> so um, this week, this is just one week out. These are the most recent mock drafts. You can go back two weeks, you can go back a month, two months, or just go all time percentage. But this shows you a percentage of popularity for that player being mocked. Uh, drafted to that team okay so obviously Caleb Williams one to the Bears Drake May two to the to uh, Washington number three they got Jaden Daniels going to the uh, Patriots although it's just 44 percent Marvin Harrison Jr. seems like a shoe in for the uh, the Arizona Cardinals at 72 percent that seems to be one that they feel really good about we're going to climb down here I just wanted to see the Packers real quick at 25 you see how the percentages go down significantly yeah that is crazy yeah. So at 25, even, even though they got Cooper DeGene, you know, mocked to the Packers, it's only a 23% popularity, mm-hmm. right? So it's not like it's a slam dunk. Let's go down and see if they have another one as far as percentage. For our 41st pick, they got offensive tackle out of Yale, um, Omagaji, right? Kyron Omagaji at mm-hmm. only 13%, though. So keep that in mind. This next one got me fired up, Emilio. You guys know I am really, really big on Christian Haynes when we get our little, our little mini, uh, Mini draft board evaluation with offensive linemen. I have Powers Johnson one, Christian Haynes two, Cooper BB three, and then Fuaga four. Mm-hmm. Look, look at who they got the Packers mock to take. If it unless it's changed, look at this Uh-oh. Christian Haynes baby twenty five percent. I would love that pick. Shoot. I would absolutely love that pick. Um, just to kind of glance through here, I don't know how much they've actually got. They don't have they just got the 2024 mock draft. So this is showing, I guess, who drive who who mocked him to the Packers, maybe. But you can kind of see their value chart too and where they've ranked up and down, up and down, up and down. And you see, you know, starting on what was it, February 2nd, he started to rise back up, right? Mm-hmm. So just something to keep an eye on there. That yeah, and I can't remember. I know Jake was talking about him in that uh in that one draft podcast he was saying I think he was saying that Christian Haynes did meet the uh, the numbers that the Packers like to hit. I think it was 33 arms, 6'5", six, six, and uh, over 3, 305, I believe the numbers were. Definitely. I need to see if Jake is planning on doing anything as far as narrowing everyone's measurements down to what what 
which players meet the requirements for the Packers. That would be right. cool to have that whole entire database. I'm going to message him right now. Because I think, I honestly, I think that was part of his, uh, that one podcast that he was doing. I was listening to the other day. So, um, you know, wouldn't be a bad idea just to add it to that board. You know, every bit of, every bit of data we can get in beforehand is going to help us. But if you want to scroll back up there, did you see who the Vikings took right after our 41st pick? Right after 41, let's see here. So at 42, Michael Penix Jr., quarterback out of Washington. And 33% of them are, are – uh, Wow, that's interesting. There. Yeah, that's very interesting there, dude. We want as many quarterbacks gone before we pick at 25 as possible. So uh-huh. right. um, let's see how many actually go here to give us a, a better pick of the litter. One, two, three. Let's see. Who was the fourth one? I thought I seen a fourth one here. Maybe I didn't. So there was just – they just got mocked three. Quarterbacks okay. going before we were kind of hoping that uh, that some of these other quarterbacks would go before the Packers pick, like a Michael Penix Jr., like a JJ McCarthy. There he is. Um, yeah. People like that. So and they they still could be flying up the boards. You know, this is still yeah. mocks up until the point you know one minute ago. So all that new data coming in and everything. Go back to 2023 real quick. All right. Let's just let's just let's just roll back in time real fast. What's that? Scroll down here. So this is the final of 2023. This would have been the one week, right? So one week before, one week before the draft, I would imagine. So here's what we have: we have Bryce Young going um, to Carolina. They nailed it, right? Um, Will Anderson going to uh, Houston. They nailed that yeah. one, although you know didn't think as much on it. Tyree Wilson, did he go to Arizona? I don't remember if he did or not. I don't. Think they swung and missed on Will Levis. I know that. They <laughs> <laughs> had Will Levis going to the Colts, right? I love how the ads are popping back up, boys. I yeah, gave you my now money. we're going to start talking. <laughs> I gave you my money. What, what else do you want? Um, Jalen Carter, they had him going number five. He ended up falling to the Eagles, so they missed that one, obviously. Let's see what they have for the Packers. Dalton Kincaid. Dalton Kincaid. <laughs> I love it. Now, let's see where they had uh, our boy Mock that we actually took. They had him dropping significantly, didn't they? Oh, boy. Where, where's he at? Did they even have him in the Mock? Where is our boy Lucas Van Ness? I didn't even see him. Let's scroll down. Maybe they, uh, maybe it's got to be a certain percentage too for them to include them all. Oh, um, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. That's crazy though. I mean, it's and then another thing for us to look at. Hey, they they picked uh, they they mocked us three tight ends and Good. we're over here. Oh, there he is. Top, Top players player. missing. <laughs> they got him on a milk carton here. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm sorry, but I mean, no, no, out. it's just it's crazy to think of, man. They mocked us to three tight ends. Uh, we didn't pick one till, um, you know, Musgrave, but the Packers don't care, man. They'll they'll go after whatever they think's best on their board at that time, right? And and, and it, this kind of goes hand in hand with the mock drafts you got to take with a grain of salt because, like, yeah. look, CJ Stroud ended up going really early, Anthony Richardson ended up going really early, Lucas Van Ness obviously went. Um, when we picked what what pick did we have? Was it 13? We picked 13, yep, right? 13. So we took him at 13. That 15 next to him, that's where he sat on the big board. That's why the big board to me is way more important than any of these mock draft simulators. Because right. with the mock draft stuff, that's where these guys can can really boost someone's value and go, mm-hmm. hey, look, I actually took him. I think he's worthy of this. And that's what I was talking about with media members kind of being in bed with certain organizations, certain universities going, all right, right. let's try to help our boy out here, right? When they see that a name is attached, right, and it looks like uh, they have 32, um, says these players appear in the top 32 of the consensus big board. I can't remember how many people they have doing the mock drafts, mm-hmm. but I know there's somewhere in here it talks about 
where you've got a, it talks about who's actually contributing to the mock draft. We don't have time to look into it, but it'll show you like what media members are doing what. Like you can look I at got you. you can look at their individual mock drafts, basically. Um, let's see if this this might have it right here. If we go 2024, total count 557 mock drafts. Yeah, wow. yeah, here you go. Patriots wire, Steelers Nation, right? So this kind of breaks it down on who's doing what. The athletic for the Bears, right? How many, how many so we go to the Packers. This is Packers Wire. So this here is here we um, go. Yeah, Packers Wire. Um, for Edgerin, Jaden Hex. Okay. Yeah. So that's how they have it set. So it's kind of cool to see. You know, it, it actually shows you. Hey, look, there's Lombardi Avenue for the Packers. Mm-hmm. They got Graham Barton, Tyler Newbin, Devondre. So well, I would like that one. That yeah. looks good right there, Lombardi. That's not a bad one. Well, Graham Barton, plug him in at right guard. Tyler Newbin starting starting safety. Then Tavondre Sweat there, just big boy in the middle. I really like that look there for sure. You can view the whole mock too. Maybe that's what we'll get into tonight too. We make a note. We'll get into the uh, individual. What, what did we click on to do that? Was it team mocks? It was team mocks, wasn't it? Yeah. We'll do that. Yeah, we might we might dig a little bit deeper into these later on tonight and give these people some shout outs. So there you go. I love it, man. Sometimes it's nice just to have a show where you can kind of bounce around like that and look at stuff and uh, and, and not have a, a crazy rigid schedule. Right. So, no, oh, definitely. Yeah. And I mean, every day, all this is all we got to say. Things could be a lot worse. I could be a Bears fan. You could be a Bears fan. And, and the one one way that you make sure that you're not a Bears fan is if you wash your hands, wash your butt, man. That's it. That's, that's all. <laughs> all right. David Mitchell said, Clayton, will you be live during the first two rounds during the draft? The plan right now, um, you know, is to for us to do a live draft show. And I think we can accomplish it. I think Emilio's on board. The goal is to try to get Emilio here live in person in studio. Mm-hmm. And then we'll have the other guys, uh, Jacob, Tim, everyone else kind of, you know, in their own own places. And just do kind of uh, – if you guys have ever watched Pat McAfee's live draft coverage, something similar to that. It's not going to be too rigid. We're going to be hanging out. The draft's long, right? Um, we're going to be hanging out just talking ball. And we will have a live ticker. This is the other thing that drives me crazy. When I see live draft shows and they're like, don't spoil the pick, don't spoil the pick. Every There's not two people, not two people in this chat whose who's live feed is synced up the same. Yeah, so that's true. It's not like everybody's getting the information at exactly the same time. If you're watching it on an on, online app, it might be quicker than basic cable, what have you. So what I would do is have the ticker up, just like we did like the, with this right here, right, like how we got this up. We would have the ticker off to the side showing you guys the picks as they come in in real time, mm-hmm. we'll reacting. We'll pull up uh, tape from that player, right, immediately go to some of the highlights, show you guys that stuff. Yeah, I think there's a lot of cool things that we can do for the draft, Definitely. and I'm excited about going live for it. And, of course, everything we do will be in podcast form as well. So, uh, uh, and, and we might get to the point, too, if, if Ryan isn't interested in having all that content, we may do an overflow in our own Packers Total Access overflow where all that audio still goes out in podcast form, too. Right. So. Um, we'll always give Ryan first dibs on any of our content because uh, you'll love what Packernet represents, and we're a proud, proud, proud member of the uh, Packernet Podcast Network. But, yeah, that should be fun, man. So, yeah, you bet, buddy. He says uh, – David says nice. Thank you. Yeah, we'll be turning it up. We'll be, be yeah. reenacting some of it. I'll grab Lincoln for a, for a, for a play here. We're going to run an hour <laughs> out here, Link. Let's go. We can't – I don't know if we can have Lincoln in a studio, man. But <laughs> He'll be jumping on me. Anytime he's in here, you see the camera rocking. And people are going, who the hell is Lincoln? Lincoln's my German shepherd. Okay. He's uh-huh. just turned a year old. We took him to town yesterday and got him a couple of pup cups, him and his sister, Ella. Ooh. 
Um, it's Abraham Lincoln Bailey and Etta James Bailey is their name, right? People are going, why? What are you name Etta James? Um, Mandy and I, our first, our first uh, dance that we had as a married couple was to Etta James at last. So big Etta James fans. So anyway, um, Lincoln is now up to about 110 pounds. He is a, an absolute monster. He's a year old. He's got six more months to grow. I don't know what we're going to do with him. Yeah. I don't know what we're going to do with him. He's, uh, yeah, he's he's going to be a monster. His sister is about, I don't know, about 70 pounds. So she's got some catching up to do. But they grow mm-hmm. for two years. The boys grow for a year and a half. So He's going to have his own bedroom soon, Clayton. What are you going to do about that? You're going to get him a bunk bed, a desk. I mean, he's going to be. <laughs> so I'm telling you, man. Wait, the food these dogs eat is just absolutely <laughs> wild. And, and he's my boy, man. He's a sweetheart. He is just the coolest dog ever. He's so chill. Etta is a control freak. Bro, she has got to control every situation. It is uh-huh. You go down the steps, she turns sideways on the steps and looks at you like, I'll move when I'm ready. Mm-hmm. I'm like, girl, I'm, I'm you can wait. Down these steps. Yeah, you can wait. And Lincoln, I could just I could just look at Lincoln and go, no, and those ears go back. And he's like, oh, man, I let him down. He's the man, though. He's good. That Bart boy. Woo. Mm-hmm. Somebody ever comes through this door. I feel for him, let me tell you. But all right, we're out of here. Milio, appreciate you hopping on, yeah. buddy. Sorry for the uh the inconvenience of Don't the time. Got a little day quill in me. We're ready to roll. So. Yeah, no, it's all right. It's, I've been waiting for the wind to die down. I don't know if it's going to work, though. That leaf job's going to be a <laughs> – just <it's laughs> He's already talked himself out of it. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's the American dream. Um, so what we'll do tonight, uh, we'll go live for PTA Live if you're available. Hop yeah. on. Um, yep. We're going to recap the Jeff Halfley, Matt LaFleur press conference. And then we will uh, we'll jump right into some more of this draft talk. We'll kind of pick up the DJ uh, Daniel Jeremiah video from the halfway point through too. We may skip history tonight and yeah. just focus on the draft stuff, and then maybe do another history tomorrow. But uh, yeah, we'll get through it regardless. I'll keep everyone happy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what we're trying to do. We're trying to navigate these choppy waters and make sure we get everybody what they're wanting. But uh, that's it. You know, the goal is to do at least one show every day, and in some cases, most cases, do two a day. So that's mm-hmm. the thing. Smooth sea doesn't make a skilled sailor, right, Clayton? That's exactly so we're, correct. We're, we're treading these waters. Exactly. Exactly. Just here to tell you, pack is back. Good. All right, we're out of here. We'll see you guys and gals tonight. Appreciate everybody hanging out with us. Uh, thanks to everyone in the chat. You guys are awesome. We will, uh, like I said, we'll be back for a PTA live, probably 7 Central, 8 Eastern this evening. For those of you listening on the pod, thank you for making us a part of your day. Oh, chewy. Well, you didn't do it to us, Chewy. I had to stop well, mid. I had to stop a mid sentence. Thank you, thank you for doing that, Chewy. With the super chat, said y'all have a good day. Go Pat, go. We appreciate you, Chewy. Thank you so much, buddy, for supporting the stream. Absolutely, really, really appreciate, appreciate it, man. Yeah. All right, we'll see you guys tonight. As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world. And go Pat, go.